Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by community pastor Ted Canaris as we continue the series, Money Talks. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. People have been known to spend money on some crazy stuff. For example, Nicolas Cage purchased a nine-foot-tall pyramid-shaped tomb so he could be buried like some kind of Egyptian king. I guess he really does want to be a national treasure. Or or how about this? Paris Hilton spent $325,000 on a villa for her dogs. It is two stories, 300 square feet, and complete with a balcony, black crystal chandelier, and of course, custom designer furniture. So yes, it is nicer than your home. It's easy to to roll our eyes at at this ridiculousness, but we normal people do stuff like this as well, just at a smaller scale. I mean, I came across this picture on the internet recently. It said, I bought a onesie for my great Dane. Don't know why I bought it, but I think he liked it. Now, admit it, some of you are tempted right now to start searching Amazon for this. Stop. Please don't do it. Even your dog doesn't want this kind of humiliation. Yet, if I'm honest, I have to admit that that I'm not immune to spending money on ridiculous things either. I mean, the necessities of life, things like food and clothing and utilities, are already expensive enough. But when we add onto that our bad spending habits, it can often lead us to a place that feels anything but humorous. Debt. D-E-B-T. Now that is a nasty four-letter word. And if you're living under the pressure of debt, you know how oppressive and overwhelming it can feel. Personal debt is is a major problem in our country today. In fact, a recent Pew study found that 80% of Americans are caught under the pressure of debt. And despite how common debt is, we struggle to talk about it. We struggle to get help. And so it's easy to feel ashamed or embarrassed about debt. So, So we keep it hidden, which just allows for the pressure to continue to grow and grow and grow. Nobody wants to be in debt. So why is it so easy for us to spend money on things that end up making us feel regret instead of happiness? Clearly, these purchases don't don't align with our ultimate values, but we find ourselves making these choices again and again and again. Well, my goal for us today is not to make any of us feel bad if we've made some financial mistakes. My guess is that most of us can feel bad all around. Our aim today is to actually show us the way to experience happiness in this area of our life. And I believe that's what God wants for us today. We're in week two of our series, Money Talks. And during this three-week series, we're encouraging one another to examine our relationship with money. Money in and of itself isn't a bad thing. In fact, money can actually be a good thing. But money can easily become a problem when our lives, in our lives when we start relating to money in a bad way. Paul warns us with this. He says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, that was certainly true in Paul's time, and it's also true today. And this series is about having a healthy relationship with money. So I want you to use your imagination a little bit as we get started here. I want you to picture money as a person who could actually talk to you. Now, what if your money could actually talk back to you? What do you think money would say? 
Well, if money could talk, I wonder if it might say, I actually can make you happy. Now, I know you might initially be surprised to hear that at church. Maybe it seems like the opposite of what Jesus would say. But maybe, just maybe, there is more to this than you might think. To start, I think it's important for us to remember really a foundational principle about money that we find in Scripture. In Psalm 24, we read this. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the whole world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. The psalmist reminds us the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God is the creator. He made everything. And that means that 100% of it is his. And it also means that 0% of it actually belongs to us. So that means that the resources that we've been entrusted with are not ours. For some of us, this means that we might need to confront a deeply embedded belief that that I deserve or I'm owed what I have. We have this this deep sense of, of entitlement about our possessions or our stuff or our money. Now, sure, God has given us the ability and opportunity to work hard, but it all still belongs to Him. It's important for us to remember that Everything belongs to God because even when we give a biblical tithe of 10% of our income and when we give that back to God, we can forget it's not just that 10% that belongs to him, but the other 90% belongs to him as well. It all belongs to him. So the question I want us to wrestle with today is this. What am I doing with what I've been given to manage? Well, Jesus told a story that challenges us to wrestle with this very question. Matthew, one of Jesus's first followers, records the story in his gospel. The story starts with a wealthy man going on a trip, and he calls three of his servants together, and he asks them to manage his money while he's gone. He gives one of them five bags of gold to manage, another two, and a third servant receives one. Now, this first servant goes out and he puts the wealthy man's money to work and they invest it wisely. And both of them, number one and number two, end up doubling the money. Now, the first servant has 10 bags of gold and the second servant has four. But the servant who only received one bag of gold, well, he dug a hole in the ground and he hid the wealthy man's money. Let's pick up Jesus's story right there. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So things went pretty well with the first servant, right? After all, who doesn't like a good attaboy from the boss? The same thing's true for the second. Let's read. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Again, a positive report, but you can probably guess where this is going. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. 
Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes, right? Two of the servants were ready to give a good report and and one was not. The two servants who had managed well were ready for the master's return. The one who didn't was anxious and afraid. Now see, see, this is really, really important. What made the difference was not the amount that the servants were asked to manage. What made the difference was what they did with what they were asked to manage. What would happen if we saw ourselves as the servants in Jesus' story? What if we saw everything that we have as being a gift on loan? What if everything we have has just been entrusted to us to faithfully steward and manage? Again, the question we need to ask ourselves is this, what am I doing with what I've been given to manage? Would we handle our money differently if we saw ourselves as as money managers instead of money owners? (laughs) I think so. The reality is we're managing God's money on his behalf. And the amount is really inconsequential. Some of us might be working with less and, and pinching pennies to make ends meet while some of us might be living in abundance. And yet, strangely, we still feel like there's never quite enough. In reality, most of us allow our income to actually match or drive our spending. In other words, if you make $45,000 a year, you're going to spend $45,000 a year. Or if you make $55,000 a year, you spend it. $100,000 a year, you spend it. $200,000 a year, which to many of you, you might respond, not me. If I made $200,000 a year, I would save a lot of it. And maybe you would, but, but probably not. And I say probably not because your current habit of spending would most likely follow you right up the pay scale. And that's not the only thing that would follow you. Financial pressure would follow you as well. Now, that may come as a shock because I think many of us think if I just made a little bit more money, I would have uh, everything that I need. I wouldn't have any financial pressure. Well, you might be surprised. People who make a lot but spend it all on a better car, a bigger mortgage, a second mortgage, can feel an extraordinary amount of financial pressure. For some of you, this is your story, right? You're making more money than you ever made and you feel as much financial pressure or more as you've ever felt. In fact, it can even feel worse. It turns out Puff Daddy and Mace were right. More money, more problems. And if your spending follows your income, the more money you make, the more pressure that you can actually feel. Now, for some of us, our spending actually exceeds our income. Sometimes it's because maybe our income has dropped. Maybe we've been laid off, or maybe we decide to leave a job or change careers. But often, 
our spending exceeds our income, not because of those circumstances, but because we spend and borrow until we're completely upside down. We have to wrestle with this. What are we doing with what we've been given to manage? Do you feel responsible and accountable for, for how you're managing God's wealth? Or are you the kind of financial planner that God would have to fire? The reality for a lot of us is that we just don't even know. I mean, could you give a detailed account of where your money is going? Do you know where your money is going or is it just gone? The truth is, many times we don't really know. And because we don't really keep track of what we're spending, we might be in danger of mismanaging what we've been entrusted with. And when that happens, we'll often find ourselves in a really stressful financial situation. We may have the best intentions, but until our actions match our intentions, we might be falling short of our calling to be like those first two servants who are good stewards of what the master had entrusted them with. We all have room for growth here. And there's a next step for each of us to grow in our responsibility, our intentionality, and our faithfulness to the things of God's kingdom. So let me ask you, how might your style of money management change if you lived from the knowledge that God truly owns everything and as his child, his unlimited resources are available to you right now? Well, I love the way that Andy Stanley puts it. He says this, What you do with your resources is a direct reflection of whose you are. If you belong solely to yourself, that's a very small life. How might our hearts for generosity grow if we saw everything that we own as a gift on loan? How might our hearts grow if we saw ourselves as managers or as stewards of what we've been entrusted with? Well, I think it's important that we don't just talk concepts here, but that we get super practical today. So we have a practical challenge for us to help us focus on what we're learning. The very first step in learning to manage God's resources well is to step back and discover where our money is currently going. We're actually going to spy on our money together. That's right. We're going to spy on our money. And I'm not talking about making a budget. A budget is like a theory or a plan. But what I want to challenge us to do is to actually keep track of where we're sending our money. How are we spending it? The reality is that most of us don't know how well or poorly we're managing what we've been entrusted with because we don't really know where our money is going. And when we actually look, when we look and we see where our resources are going, we'll begin to see what we really value. I think sometimes we need to get curious about ourselves in order to really find a way forward. Could you give an account of where your money went this past month? Do you know where it's gone or is it just gone? So here's the challenge. If you want to grow in how you are stewarding the resources entrusted to you, I want to encourage you to try a 30-day tracking challenge. Over the course of the next month, I want you to try to record every dollar that you spend. Now, there are a ton of apps out there that can help you do this in a simple way. One that my wife and I have used in the past and we really like is an app called Mint. It's intuitive, straightforward, and it's free. Now there's Mint and a bunch of other apps just like it that can be a really good place to start tracking your spending. 
Then, after 30 days of spying on your money, set aside some time to evaluate where it all went. Really look at where your money is going and look for areas where you can think about maybe cutting unnecessary spending or or more deeply investing in God's work. And once you actually know where your money is going, you can ask yourself, what does where my money went say about where I'm going? What does it say about what's most important to me? Then we can ask God to help us grow in how we're stewarding his resources, the resources that he's entrusted to us, that he's given to us for his kingdom work. Ultimately, this 30-day tracking challenge will really help us answer the question, what am I doing with what has been given to me to manage? It can help us discern which servant we're like from the parable that we discussed earlier. Now, I hope you'll take on this challenge, but I know that some of you are probably thinking, wait, wait a minute. At the beginning of this talk, you promised me happiness today. And I know that tracking your spending probably doesn't sound like happiness or joy for people or for you or for me. And I know that following through on a practical exercise like this can seem really hard and even overwhelming for some. But remember what Jesus says to the two servants who manage their money well. He says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Come and share in your master's happiness. The two servants who managed well got to experience the master's joy. If we live like these two faithful servants, when we really live as if everything we have already belongs to God and we are simply stewarding his resources for his purposes, then then we can have a healthy relationship with money. It can actually be something that draws us closer to God and affords us the opportunity to share in his overwhelming happiness and his overwhelming joy. When we steward the resources God has entrusted to us to love God and to love our neighbor, we will share in a true and lasting happiness. This is what we mean when we say that money actually can make you happy. If we manage it well for God's purposes. If we only see money as ours and our own purposes, and we only use it for our own purposes, then money can be the source of incredible stress. It can be the root of all kinds of evil, as Paul points out. But when we hold money in its proper place, and when we use it for its proper purpose, then money can be a force for good, a force for good in our lives, and a force for good in our world. Downers Grove community attender Jessica Dispro is discovering this reality, and here she is to share her story. My name is Jessica Disborough, and my husband, Paul, and I, and our two kids, Pierce and Kenley, have been attending Community Christian Church for about three years. My father was in sales, and from a young age, I saw that the more success and achievement you had, the more money you would make, or that was my perception. It was you would 
then get a bigger house or you'd have more stuff to buy or um, a newer car. And I uh, kind of followed in those footsteps and I ended up in sales for the last 20 years myself as well. It felt normal until I started really kind of evaluating it more, digging in more. Money has created this um, sense of entitlement almost, like I deserve it, I earned it, I achieved it, and it's a very self-centered way of looking at, you know, what's been provided. In the last year and a half, as our small group met, we started to do the Rooted series. I became aware that one of my big strongholds was money. It happened to be that at the same time at church, we were talking about tithing. I remember sitting in church feeling like a spotlight was being shined upon me and calling me out. Paul and I had started to talk about you know, wanting to tithe, and I was uncomfortable. In talking with Ted, he said, why don't you just give, you know, 10, 20, $25. It's not about the money, the amount of money, it's about the act of doing it. I thought, okay, I can do this. <laughs> and so we set up a, the reoccurrence automatically every week. As I gave, my heart softened, um, and as I spoke about it out loud, some of that control and fear started to melt away. And I'd say we're still on the path, I'm still growing, but you know, we reevaluate and look at how much is our giving. It's really unbelievable how much more God gives back to us to then be able to give even more. God has provided it to myself and our family so that we can continue the mission of pouring back into our community and our church and really helping people find their way back to God. The truth is, we already know that a dog and an owner onesie set is not really going to make us happy. We all know too well the shallow happiness of ridiculous purchases. But today, today I hope you've begun to see that there is another way. God wants to set us free from all the unhealthy patterns in our relationship with money. He's inviting us to enter into true joy of managing everything in our lives for him and his kingdom purposes. Just like Jesus perfectly modeled for us as he gave everything, even his own life, out of love for God and a love for others, a love for you. So the question is, are you willing to reset your relationship with money? Will you faithfully steward what has been entrusted to you to love God and to love others? Will you come and share in the master's happiness? Mm -hmm.